Uh, we're in a sermon series um, titled Messengers of Grace, Sharing the Good News. Um, today we're continuing in that series, and we're focusing upon our calling as Christians to share the good news of the gospel. If you recall our first sermon, we looked at the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus calls his followers, that's us, calls us the salt of the earth and uh, the light of the world. And last week, we studied Paul's words to the church in Rome, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. Today, we, we build upon these last few weeks. We're going to try to wrap around our head around the, our calling to be ambassadors for Christ. Christian, we are, you are, ambassadors for Christ. Um, our passage 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of God, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If we want to know God, if we want to know his will, if we want to know his way, then we must know his word. Let's pray. Father, this word to us, um, it opens our eyes to your grand plan of making all things new, including us. And we get to be your messengers, your ambassadors of this good news for the world. We are the ones who get to implore those around us, be reconciled with God. What a joy that is. Help us in this hour to better understand and to better embrace this calling that you've given given to us. Amen. You know, I've been thinking about a new job recently. It's, I found one that's kind of appealing. I've been, I've been thinking about what it would be like to be a brand uh, ambassador. I got a friend who's a brand ambassador for a company called Arcteryx. Maybe you've heard of them. They're, they're a manufacturer of high-end uh, outdoor gear, kind of think along the lines of the North Face company, but a couple steps up. Lindsay is a brand ambassador, which means she gets paid money to wear a bunch of really cool gear. She gets to lead people on group runs through uh, uh, Central Park. She gets to travel the world uh, to places like Napa Valley and Machu Picchu. And recently, I saw pictures of her in the ancient city of Petra. And she gets to post these pictures of her in her gear and all these amazing places. And then, of course, her followers look at her, the brand ambassador, and they say, wow, 
look at Lindsay. Like, she's really cool. I think I need to buy some Arcteryx gear. Oh, the life of a brand ambassador, which led me to think, what could I be a brand ambassador for out here in the Hamptons? And of course, Ferrari. <laughs> no, 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 seriously, don't laugh. I mean, think of me driving all around the Hamptons this summer in a red Ferrari with the top down, people pointing at me and saying, wow, look, it's Pastor Mark. He drives a Ferrari. I think I need to get a Ferrari. I think I'd be a really good brand manager for Ferrari. I've reached out to Marinello. I'm waiting to hear back. Until then, I guess I'll be an ambassador for Christ, which is what Paul says all Christians are. In our text, Paul speaks of how, as Christians, we are ambassadors. And of course, there were no brand ambassadors back in Paul's day. That would be funny. Could you imagine being a brand ambassador for Nero's hot sauce? No, Paul had the typical ambassador in mind, someone appointed by a ruler to represent their country in a foreign land. Think about it. To be an ambassador is a very distinguished honor, but it's also an extreme challenge. Christian, did you know that you have this calling to be an ambassador for Christ, for him and his kingdom? You, we get to represent him here on this earth. What a distinguished honor and an extreme challenge. This morning, Paul teaches us that if we belong to Christ, then we have this calling to be ambassadors for Christ. We will look at this under two headings. First, God's work, and then our work. God's work. First, let's look at God's work of new creation. Whether you're a Christian here or not, one of the most important things that you can ever come to grips with is this, the scope and the scale of the gospel. Unbelievers roll their eyes at Christianity. They think it has nothing that would interest them. And it's true, as Christians, we too can live unproductive lives because we underestimate the scope and the scale of the gospel. Often as Christians, we can hold to a, a small gospel, a gospel that's kind of all about us or our ideas of what we like to achieve here on earth. But Paul wants to show us that mature Christians have a big and glorious gospel that they hold on to. Its scope, its scale is enormous. It's God's big picture what he's doing. Verse 17, Paul helps us to see this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, if you were to read verse 17 in the original Greek, it would read, therefore, if anyone in Christ, new creation. The subject and verb must be supplied uh, the old NIV in our ESV says, he is a new creation. The new NIV and some other translations say, there is new creation. So which one is it? 
Is Paul wanting us to think about ourselves as being new creations, or does he want us to think about not God's new creation having come upon us? I think the answer is yes to both. Paul wants us to see that, Christian, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, but also that you're a part of this new creation that Jesus has ushered in when he came, this kingdom that has come, but it's, of course, coming in its newness when he returns to earth one day. God is bringing a new creation, a new heaven and earth will come down. Also, he's made you a new creation so that you are being made fit for that day. God is making all things new. Do you remember the movie, The Passion of Christ? Some of you are probably a little young for that. It's like this year it'll be two decades old. Hard to believe it. Been that long. But you remember that scene where Jesus is all bloodied and, and just covered in sweat, carrying the cross through Jerusalem on his way up to Golgotha, and he can barely move. It's gotten so heavy. He is so weak and exhausted, barely able to move. He stops. He looks up, and there's Mary, his mother, and he looks at her. Remember what he says? I am making everything new. Christian, wrap your head around this. This work that Christ began continues on until this very day. And you are part of something big and marvelous. As ambassadors for Christ, you get to represent his kingdom and his power and his glory into a world that desperately needs it. And so for the challenge for that ancient church and the challenge for us today is to have eyes to see what God is really up to. God's plan is nothing short of making all things new. Does this make sense? You know, I think that the scale and the scope of what God has in store is well beyond mankind's ability to even grasp. This is the most wonderful news anyone could ever hear. You see, every trouble that has faced every person who has ever walked this earth, it finds its remedy in the gospel. That is God's work of new creation. Now for God's work of reconciliation. The big idea here is this. The, the fact that God is making a new creation out of this old creation means that reconciliation must take place in some way. What if you were like a great artist? I know for some of you that's kind of hard to believe. I, like, I do stick figures and they don't even look like people. But imagine you were uh, an artist and, and you had this, this wonderful work at a local art gallery, but one night the art gallery owner got really, really drunk, took a pair of scissors, and just destroyed your creation. Tell me, how would you respond? Would you not get angered? Would the gallery owner not be justly deserving condemnation and judgment? Of course he would. And would not your relationship be severed to the point that almost nothing could restore it? 
And would it not also be true that in order for your relationship with the gallery owner to be restored, something must take place? And that something is reconciliation. The word reconcile means to bring into agreement or harmony, to make compatible, to settle a quarrel or a dispute. You know, we human beings are like gallery owners who have taken this beautiful, glorious work of God, his creation, and us ourselves, and we've cut it to pieces because of our selfishness and our sin. God is right to be angered with us. He is right to condemn us. And so for anyone to have any hope of restoring a relationship with God, there must be reconciliation. And thankfully, God not only desires reconciliation, but he has worked reconciliation for us. Look at these wonderful words of verse 18 and 19. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. God reconciled us to himself. Notice, we don't reconcile ourselves to God. Paul writes, all this is from God. It wasn't our idea for God to send his son to make reconciliation happen. It's all God. God takes the first step. God takes every step. He reconciles us to himself. And he desires to reconcile the whole world to himself. And you see, reconciliation cannot be like a sweeping under the rug all of our sins to act as if like they never happened. Our sins cannot be swept under the rug. They must be dealt with once and for all. And God has done this for the world once and for all. That's the point here. Now, today many people will mock God's message of reconciliation. People will say you are a fool for believing such nonsense. God substituting himself on the cross to atone for our sins. But it just betrays their ignorance regarding understanding of relationships. For with all reconciliation, human or divine, trespasses must be dealt with. Oh, the glorious reality of who God is. He's the one who takes initiative. He's the one who moves towards sinners. We are so lost in our spiritual blindness that we cannot even see our need for reconciliation. But God mercifully moves towards us. The last verse drives us home. Verse 21. We'll look at it more in the next um, point as well. But for our sake, he, God, made him to be sin who knew no sin, that's Jesus, so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Notice God does not sweep your sin under the rug. You might want him to, but the choice is simple. Give your sins to Christ and he will take them away or hold on to them until judgment day. God is up to something big. Its scale and scope are beyond our full comprehension. God has promised to recreate heaven and earth, and this day is coming. 
In the meantime, God is busy reconciling people back to himself, making them new creations in Christ, which are now fit to enter into that new creation which is coming. If you're here today and you've yet to trust in Christ, may today be that day. Acknowledge your status before God and turn and seek forgiveness. God stands ready to reconcile you. And so I implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you are a Christian, this message of reconciliation that God has entrusted to us is that we are ambassadors with a wonderful message. So first we looked at God's work of new creation and reconciliation. Now let's look at our work that of being ambassadors for Christ. Christian, God has reconciled you. You are now his. He loves you. He watches over you. And he has work for you to do. Kingdom work. Grand and glorious work. Listen, we get to be ambassadors. Not U.S. ambassadors to Lithuania. I don't even know where that is. Sadly not brand ambassadors for Ferrari, we get to represent the king of heaven on earth. But what exactly does this look like? Paul explains this calling to be ambassadors first beginning in verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Verse 18, God gave us this ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Christian, the Bible clearly states that we are ambassadors for Christ. Every Christian shares this calling. See, if our Heavenly Father is all about reconciling the world to himself, then this is our shared calling too, right? We all share this calling, but not all Christians live out this calling, which is why Paul writes in verse 20, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, of course, he's talking to some in the congregation, like every church, faithful church, has people in the congregation who need to be reconciled to God. But if you recall, this is quite the messed up church. Um, and so he's talking to them about a reconciliation with a small r. They are immature Christians. They, they get that God has forgiven them, but they, but they haven't fully traced out all of its implications in their lives. And so they ha though they have this calling to live these new lives for their Heavenly Father's glory, they are still living according to the flesh. They're still chasing, if you know First uh, and Second Corinthians, you know they're, just, they're chasing after petty dreams and they're treating each other poorly. So they need to be reconciled to God with a small r. They need to be reconciled in the sense that they need to draw near with a fresh repentance and recenter themselves upon God. We do that every, every uh, Sunday in our prayer of confession. But so Paul calls out to this church to be reconciled, to confess their shortcomings, confess their petty feuds and selfishness, to remind them of who they belong to and what it means to be a child of God who is a new creation and to see that they have this calling to be ambassadors for Christ. You know, I'm excited about our day of fasting and prayer this week. Grace Church, we have called this day of fasting and prayer. You can pick whichever day. You can fast from 
dinner till dinner the next day, or you can fast from, you know, two days if you're feeling so emboldened. But we need this, I believe, when it comes to the area of our evangelism, of our reaching out. When I was going through church planters training way back when, uh, when we were planting this church, one thing that stuck out to me was how the instructors, uh, instructor would talk about how typically a new church is very outwardly focused. It's all about reaching people for Christ. But something happens usually around year 15 where things really start turning in and all the new ministries are about people in the church, not those outside. And I'm like, we can't be that as a church. We can't just be about our own spiritual growth to the detriment of those in our community who haven't heard about Christ. And so we're going to take a day to confess that us individually and we as a church, we're we're not all that good at being salt and light. Perhaps we really kind of are ashamed of the gospel. It'd be a chance for us to cry out to God that he would bless our prayers, that he would place upon our hearts people we can be praying for and inviting to Christianity Explored. And we were going to be praying and fasting that that Christianity Explored would be miraculous, that God would do an amazing special work. I think our God is happy and pleased to bless Grace Church as we seek to become better ambassador. So what does this role of ambassador look like? What is it to be an ambassador? What do they do? You know, our modern understanding of an ambassador is helpful. An ambassador is a chosen and certified representative of the highest rank that represents the interests of one country before another country. And so as members of Christ's kingdom, we serve as Christ's ambassadors. Verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. I don't know about you, I don't feel worthy, but that's who we are. God is making his appeal through us. That's what ambassadors do. They bring to foreign kingdoms the appeals of their king. Christians, we must get into our head. God is making his appeal through us. At least that's his plan. That's God's design for your life. Now, to put it in canine terms, God did not save you to be his annoying lapdog. He saved you to be a joyful retriever. (laughs) Paul says in verse 18 that God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is a gift to be involved in this ministry. Sorry, people who have lap dogs. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sure they're cute. See, if you're in Christ, not only has God given you the ministry of reconciliation, look at the end of verse 19, but also he has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Listen, let me ask you. Who else on earth is going to tell this hurting world about God's offer of reconciliation, if not us? 
Consider the East End. There, how many faithful churches are there out here for 50-some thousand people? Who is going to stand before our neighbors on the East End and implore them, if not us? To us, a calling has been given. We are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. Does this make sense? God is making his appeal through us to implore our neighbors. To implore is not to suggest. I think often as Christians we're like, well, thanks for asking. Let me suggest to you. Uh, perhaps, maybe Jesus, he's made my life great. You know, no. We have a calling to implore which means you plead, please listen, please hear this message. Your very life and soul depends upon it. We implore you. We don't just merely suggest. Like, I prefer pickleball over tennis, but you pick, you know. This means we lose sleep over the fact that there are people that we know and love who must hear God's message. So let me ask you, when was the last time you lost sleep over the souls on the East End? We lose sleep over our finances. We become anxious about what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat. Matthew 6. We lose sleep over finding the perfect soulmate or getting a promotion. But do we lose sleep over that which Jesus lost sleep over when he walked this earth. Listen, none of us will be mature Christians and we will not be a mature church until we embrace this calling with a zeal that's commensurate to the distinguished nature of our calling. God is making his appeal through us. You know, the greatest issue facing everyone living on the East End isn't the cost of living. Although, good luck finding a rental. It's not troubled relationships or health or obesity. The greatest issue facing everyone is that they need to be reconciled to God or else. And guess what? We've been entrusted with the message that they need to hear. We are God's only ambassadors. There are none other out here, okay? It's just the Christians who have this news. He's making his appeal through us. Do you see this? Do you see yourself as a new creation who's been entrusted with the message of reconciliation? I don't know about you, but I haven't been all that appealing lately. At least I don't feel like it. I used to be the guy who was always out meeting people, sharing the gospel. I think I've become really busy with church things. I can also feel the weight, the guilt, a little bit of shame. How about you? Paul doesn't preach this so that we just feel guilty and just feel like we cannot be used. 
He gives us a reason to rise with dignity. In spite of our constant shortcomings, there's not a day as a Christian where you don't feel like, I am not the person I know I should be in all these different areas, right? Paul gives us the answer in verse 21. For each and every shortcoming that we have, God has given us grace upon grace. And in the grace of God, there's great power to live as ambassadors for Christ. Look at verse 21. Paul here, he knows that we constantly need reminding of God's continual grace so that we rest secure in God's love for us and therefore live with great power. And that's what these words say. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Paul is reminding us what theologians call union with Christ. Remember, the Christian is said to be united to Christ. We are in union with him. Our passage graciously reminds us of this. In him, we have become the righteousness of God. In him. Union with Christ means that our lives are so united in Christ, so hidden in Christ, that it's as if we were there in him when he walked this earth with his perfect life, sinless life. And we were in him when he died on the cross, a death for our sin. And we are in him now as he's risen from the grave to eternal glory. We are united to Christ. This is how you get saved. It's because God in his mysterious way places you in Christ with him. That's what Paul writes about. In Colossians 3.3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Christian, when you come to understand that from God's perspective, the old you has died off, he purposely has done that. When you were there on the cross with Christ in a mysterious way, and now your new life is hidden in Christ, the resurrected Christ in all of his glory, When you understand this eternal grace and how it impacts your identity in Christ, well, it empowers you. How so? Well, your union with Christ actually allows you to stop and take stock of all your shortcomings and really truly lament your sin. But you will lament as one who's been set free from all the sins of the past and the present and the future because your sins have already been punished in Christ Jesus when he bore them on the cross and you're now raised with him in newness of life. The more we understand this, the the more when we see our shortcomings, the more we're like, yeah, that is not good, but thankfully I'm in Christ. That's the old me. Now, let's press on. This grace in your life will allow you to truly lament your failures and this grace will empower you towards a new and Christ-honoring obedience. And so can you see how your union with Christ, your life being hidden in the unlimited grace of God, how it humbles you and how it empowers you into this new obedience? Can you see how it brings power to live out your new identity in Christ? where you truly are 
an ambassador for Christ. Let's pray. Once again, we're shown the riches of your grace. We cannot help but think how wonderful you are, Heavenly Father. You have saved us with a eternal, everlasting salvation. You have taken the old us and placed it in Christ so that everything that he now is is ours because of our union with him. And therefore, there, there, nothing can separate us now from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And we truly are more than conquerors. And we are ambassadors. We thank you for this calling. Give us the power to honor you as we live. Amen.